Hi everybody, I'm Ralph Benmergi. Welcome to Yohopichville, brought to you by Pear Tree Canada. We talked to people in, uh, well, I described it to a friend recently, far-flung Jews. People who live in places other than the big centers that we're used to. Uh, we sometimes go right out of this country to find them, and often we stay right here. Today, we're going to straddle a border and talk about it that way. Elena Kingsbury is my guest, and she has stories to tell about the St. Lawrence River and Maitland, Ontario. How are you? I'm excellent. Thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I have no complaints, which, you know, really, <laughs> how, how often do you get to say that? Um, tell me about Maitland. Well, oh, Maitland is a, is a wonderful, beautiful village on the St. Lawrence River. Um, it's about two hours west of Montreal, about four and a half hours east of Toronto. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a community that sort of sits right on the river. So, you know, it's a it's a narrow point in the river. So you look right across and you see the United States. Um, you see cars driving on the other side. Some, you know, on a quiet day, you can hear the ambulances. So it is really a, you know, you can't really get further south or closer to the border than, uh, than, than those communities right along the St. Lawrence. So they share the water. Yes. And sometimes they share the Judaism too. So tell me about, well, we'll start in Maitland itself. Tell me about the Jewish community there and then we'll jump across the river. Well, goodness, I would say that the Jewish community of Maitland consisted of my immediate family, basically. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, Maitland is a, today I believe there's, you know, maybe around a thousand people in the area. Um, It's, it's a small, small community. Um, and there may, you know, and I, I apologize if there are any Jewish people or families in the area that I'm not familiar with. But yeah, growing up, um, my family was, as far as I know, the only Jewish family in that sort of region. Um, you know, what were they doing there? Great question. Um, so my, my grandparents immigrated to Canada in the early 1950s, and they, they settled in that area because my, my grandmother had one uncle that had immigrated to Canada um, kind of immediately after the Second World War. So they they sort of followed him and he, and he sponsored their immigration. So they settled in in uh, Prescott, Ontario, which is just east of, of Maitland. Um, and yeah, that's where they, my grandparents made a life for themselves there. And they, I know my grandmother was the, you know, the librarian of Prescott for 30 plus years. My grandfather worked in the electrical plant nearby. So I think after after the the journey they'd been through during the Holocaust and in the post-war era, they were they were looking to settle. They didn't want to they didn't want to pull up roots again. And your parents? So yeah, my parents. My mom. So my mom grew up in Prescott herself, um, and she she did move away. She I know she lived in in Ottawa, Toronto for a time. Um, she met my father in Ottawa. They were both students at Ottawa U, and they they both ultimately became high school teachers. And it was just sort of a coincidence that they were able to they were able to get jobs together at the same high school in Prescott, and so they ended up settling in that area although it wasn't I don't think it was ever my my mom's intention but it's just sort of how how it happened and and therefore that's where me and my sister grew up so what was it like for you to grow up in that place uh I mean 
I have really, really fond memories. I, I loved growing up in the community that I, that I did. My very idyllic in some ways, my, my parents own a little apple orchard, um, you know, right, right kind of looking onto the river and it's, it's a beautiful place. Um, you know, there, I would say that there was definitely a complete lack of understanding about Judaism, about, you know, what it means to be Jewish. Um, you know, a lot, I would say that, you know, as a, as a child, I, I experienced, you know, ignorance and, you know, maybe sometimes some casual anti-Semitism to an extent. Um, but, you know, I generally, I always felt accepted and, and, um, you know, like a member of the community, but certainly different in this one respect that no one really knew what it meant to be Jewish. Casual anti-Semitism. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. What does um, that look like? Well, so I'll, just as an example, what I, I think of, you know, being a student, um, especially in high school, and I'm not sure if you're, you've ever heard this before, but, um, you know, using the word Jew as a verb. Oh, you Jewed me out of some oh, money, yeah, for instance. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah. things like that were quite common, even though there were no other Jewish people around, that those stereotypes were obviously still, people were still familiar with them. So I always find it interesting when people have one reality in their home and another reality when they leave it. Yeah. So how did you how did you navigate that space between, you know, it's Passover and we're doing Passover and then outside it's like, no, it's not. It's Easter or it's something else. Like, how did yeah. you navigate those things? Great question. Um, I mean, I think, you know, especially as a young person, it's just what you know. And it's sort of normal to have that kind of duality of your identity where yeah, you know, when you're out in public, you know, if I if I was to talk about Passover, um, you know, people might be curious, they might, but they would have no context for it. And when you're when you're not really a part of, you know, a community and people aren't even really aware of your identity, they probably aren't asking that many questions. So I would say that, you know, I I and I so I and I should also just go back a moment because I do think of, you know, being in, in elementary school and times where me and my sister were asked to get in front of the class or get in front of the school to talk a little bit about Hanukkah or to, you know, to share a little bit about certain holidays, which is, that's a whole other can of worms, but a nice gesture, at least on one level. Maybe a seven-year-old isn't the right person to explain the origins of the the, the, the Hanukkah religion, but, or sorry, the the holiday, but... Um, so, you know, there, I would say that there was curiosity at times. There was, you know, there was certainly openness and I never felt prejudice from teachers or anything like that. Um, but definitely, you know, when, when there aren't a lot of other Jewish people to talk about their experiences, I think that it's kind of like those, those few people that are there are, you know, you're, you don't talk very much about it. You're sort of invisible in public. And your parents, did they make a, a, a real conscious effort to keep Judaism alive in your life? Um, absolutely, yeah. So, and my my mother's Jewish. My father's actually not. He's, I think, Anglican by birth. Um, but he he's always been extremely supportive of our Jewish identity and faith. And I would say that we were certainly raised to identify as Jewish. Um, my sister and I both had bat mitzvahs, and and we were regular attendees at the at the congregation. Um, we've, we've sort of alluded to that that existed across the border in, in upstate New York. All so, right, so let's go. Yeah. yeah, let's go across the river. Sure. To Ogdenburg is that the place? Yeah, o- Ogdensburg. Yeah. Ogdensburg. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell me about Ogdensburg and the synagogue. 
Well, Ogdensburg, New York, I, I'm not an expert on the town, I have to say, but it's, you know, it's a beautiful town. Again, very, very small town. And I think I can speak, you know, for communities on both sides of the river that they've been on the decline, I would say, for, you know, a long time in the sense of population decline, economic decline. So Ogdensburg doesn't have a large Jewish population either, um, larger than I think the, the Canadian side. Um, but basically, from what I understand, the congregation was first founded um, bef- uh, in 1875, I believe. So it's it's quite an old community. Um, but the St. Lawrence Valley region, the sort of the heyday of that, that area was like the late 1800s, early 1900s. So there was a lot of wealth in, at the time. There was a lot of industry along the river. And so there were a lot more Jewish families in the area. Um, and so... From my understanding, the, the the synagogue itself was purchased in 1924. It had been like a Unitarian gospel hall or something like that. Um, and so, you know, Jewish people from from Ogdensburg, from some of the like, you know, neighboring communities on the American side, and then a small number, but a, a, a good number of people as well coming from across the border. So my family, and then I know there was one other extended family coming from the Prescott area, the Mayers, which was another Jewish family that has since left the area. Um, but my Anita Mayer was a was another Holocaust survivor who settled in Prescott with her husband in you know the post-war period. And, and her and my grandmother met in Prescott, became best friends and sort of had this strong, you know, two, two family network, I guess you would describe <laughs> it as. Yeah. Yeah. So they were also coming to the, so they were attendees of the synagogue as well. And um, our, our rabbi, I, there, there, you know, there was a series of rabbis over time, but I know when I, when I was a child, the rabbi was, was an Orthodox rabbi from Montreal. So there, so the, the, the rabbi was Canadian also. So I always find in these really small communities, a rabbi could be of one part of the religion, Orthodox. Five of the people there are reformed, the rest are conservative, you know, so I guess it's sort of a a bit of a Jewish salad there. It really was. Yes, exactly that. Um, I believe the congregation and its its name um, is and was Anshe Zofen or Anshe Zofen. I'm not, my my Hebrew is not great. Um, People of the North is from my understanding what that means. And so, yeah, people really, it was a conservative congregation, but a huge range of, you know, I, I know that some people in the congregation even identified, you know, as atheists. So it was really a center of community um, and yeah, religion, but yeah, definitely a little bit more diverse in the religious practices than a lot of, a lot of congregations, I would assume. And you had your bat mitzvah there. I did. Yes. Yeah. Did you have a nice bat mitzvah? I, it was a lovely bat mitzvah, um, but again, it, it was, you know, by that point, um, around 2000, you know, there was already a serious decline um, in the numbers in attendees, and so I believe, you know, I actually, it was, a, it, was a, it was a quadruple bat mitzvah. It was me and three other girls, and it was the last bat mitzvah, as far as I know, that, that was performed at the synagogue. Yeah. Wow. And then shortly after that, we get into 9-11, and yeah. it becomes, I would assume it got a lot harder to just go from one town to another over the, over the river. That was, a, that was a huge obstacle for our family in particular. And, you know, and, and again, 
the you know it might not seem like a large number but six people was a significant number of people um, within the congregation and so yeah we were not able to regularly attend because in the aftermath of 9-11 you know before that period it was extremely easy to cross um, the border and especially in the St. Lawrence and the Thousand Islands region a lot of people would travel by boat as well and you could just kind of call into the you know to the border security and, and let them know that you were landing. Things changed so much after 9-11 that, yeah, it just became an hours-long process to get through. So that, you know, wasn't really, it just didn't really work um, for attending services. So our family, we, we would occasionally attend like high holiday services um, in Ottawa. Um, mm. Yeah. But it never really, I guess, felt like home the same way that our, our congregation in New York did. From award-winning journalist Marsha Lederman comes Kiss the Red Stairs, a compelling memoir of Holocaust survival, intergenerational trauma, divorce, and discovery that will guide readers through several lifetimes of monumental change. Marsha was five when a simple question led to a horrifying answer. She asked her mother why she didn't have any grandparents. Her mother told her the truth, the Holocaust. Decades later, her parents dead and herself a mother to a young son, Marcia begins to wonder how much history has shaped her own life. Reeling in the wake of a divorce, she craves her parents' help. But in their absence, she is gripped by a need to understand the trauma they suffered, and she begins her own journey into the past to tell her family stories of loss and resilience. Kiss the Red Stairs, available now wherever books are sold. I always wonder how it shapes your own Judaism mm. to like I was I live in Hamilton now and I was in Toronto yesterday and I was in the uh Bathurst and St. Clair Bathurst and Eglinton area and uh went for we went for a walk uh in the ravine and about every fourth person I passed I thought, Well they're Jewish <laughs> and they're Jewish. And yet here in Hamilton there's five thousand Jewish people total and you don't see that many people who are Jewish unless you go to synagogue or bump into them at an event. And right. I realized how much I had taken for granted as a Torontonian in my life that Jewishness was available in any way I wanted at any time I wanted. So you grew up in a place where it was you had to keep making a choice to stay Jewish and do Jewish. Yep. So how did that how did that shape your own Judaism? Well, that's a that's an a great question, and I don't know. If, I don't know that I can fully answer. Um, but I do think, you know, I, I don't consider myself particularly religious or spiritual. But I, I consider myself certainly Jewish, and you know, I think for me and my family, history has always been a major aspect of our Jewish identity. And you know, the fact that my grandparents were Holocaust survivors, um, you know, that so for you know the fact that they were all always you know, they had the thick accent, they were identifiably different within their community. Um, you know, I was always very aware of that and, and, you know, took pride in it as well. Uh, definitely, we were always, you know, taught to, to be proud of our Jewish heritage. And, you know, and, and again, going back to this other family that, you know, the, the mayors, and the fact that they also had that survivor connection. Um, you know, I think, when I was really young, I, I kind of just assumed that all Jewish people, if they were of a certain age, were survivors of the Holocaust. Hmm. And, you know, that so, you know, growing up, obviously, I, I understood differently. But so I think that 
you know, having that history has been a strong part of my identity um, and definitely, you know, has helped sort of shape my own career. And I, you know, studying history um, in university, that's that's what I did my my degree in. And um, but, you know, I, I will also say, you know, it's kind of interesting because growing up in the community I did, I didn't have that sense of community. But I, I also have lived in Montreal. I've lived in Toronto. So now, I, you know, I have lived in those those city centers where there is that larger Jewish presence, um, which is which is amazing. And it's been it's been a really great experience to to have that connection. But I guess I would also say it's maybe I don't always feel like I fit in completely in that I am used to being this sort of outsider. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I, and I'm all, I keep thinking of your grandparents and the mayors who had lived through hell, like yeah. hell on earth. And then they're in Maitland and Prescott and they're Canadian all of a sudden. And they're, you know, the kids are growing up as Canadian and they don't, they don't know this awful thing in the same way. They didn't live it. I mean, that must be a kind of a responsibility to not forget that sort of thing. It's yeah, it's there's it's it is it fascinates me as well. And it's you know, there's there's contradictions there. And, you know, it was it was always very important for them to maintain their sense of Jewishness, but they chose to live amongst non Jewish people. And, and, you know, most of their friends and people they interacted with, their colleagues, there, there were no other Jewish people for the most part. So it it's interesting. And I wish I could, I wish they were they were here to explain it for themselves. Mm. Not sure. Yeah, but your parents as well. I mean, you're, yeah. you're, in a way, your mother, by marrying your father who wasn't Jewish, was also crossing a bridge, right? Yep, absolutely. Moving into another piece. And interestingly and, enough, none, sorry to interrupt, just my, no, my, none of my grandparents' children, they, they all married non-Jewish people. Hmm. Which, and do you think that could have been because they were just so used to that other world being part of their world? I, I do think, you know, I think that you know, going to school and growing up with, you know, with non-Jewish people, it probably, it was very, you know, yeah, it was just normal for them to be in this community. And that's, you know, a little bit of assimilation there maybe, or. Yeah, sure. You know? So for you uh, going forward with your life and um, will you be making efforts to keep Judaism alive in, in your life and the family that you make and all of those things? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I I'm, I don't have children, but I it's very important to me um, to keep to keep this family history alive and to yeah to to maintain a sense of Jewish identity. Um, and I think for me that you know that continues to evolve. But I will always identify as Jewish and you know and and feel that sense of belonging and a complicated belonging. But absolutely, you know, it's 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 a strong part of my identity and uh, and I think it. Always will be. So if somebody was thinking of moving out of one of the bigger centers to one of the smaller places and they were Jewish, what, what, would you, what advice would you give them about it? Well, a oh, great question. Um, I think I would, I would, I would encourage, encourage them to be prepared for some ignorance, um, that people don't always understand what it really means to be Jewish, especially beyond the Holocaust. Like, they, you know, a lot of people have heard bits and pieces about that history. They may not really know much about Jewish identity beyond that. Um, but I will, I, I think that having grown up in a community like that, I, people are generally good and they, you know, they, they're, you know, they ask questions in good faith and they're curious. And um, 
I would I would encourage any Jewish person that's looking for a more rural experience not to be shy or afraid of living, you know, living in that kind of environment. Um, I think, you know, it's actually and I, I do believe that, you know, having Jewish people kind of in rural communities and kind of spread throughout um, those less urban centers. I think that that would actually be a great way to fight anti-Semitism, um, just to, you know, bringing people together and having people interact with people they may not have experienced before. That's, I think that's a really powerful tool. So if I'm the guy at the store who finds out you're Jewish uh, and says, uh, in good faith, so what's it like to be Jewish? What's your answer? I guess my answer would be, what's it like to be Christian? Or what's it like to be of anything, <laughs> any background? That's very Jewish, though. You just did a question with a question. <laughs> and it's, it's a, are you, question with a question is always a good way to approach that, I think. <laughs> or deflect, one it, of the two. It is a deflection, I suppose. But it, it's, it is, you know, it's, it's a question that I hope would help them understand that what it, what it means to be Jewish or what it's like to be Jewish, it's very different for different people. And, you know... We're all we're all individuals. So there are, you know, there are things that unite us and, you know, for Jewish identity, of course. But I don't, you know, I, I can't speak for everyone else. I don't know. I know, but like yeah. years ago, like yeah. 18 lives ago, I was at the University of Alberta in Edmonton. And I was literally the first Jewish person anyone had met in wow. my, in my uh, faculty of arts, fine arts. Wow. And I didn't read, like, they just... They were really quite wonderful and nice people, but they just literally would say, I, I've never met a Jew before. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt this kind of responsibility of, oh, well, okay, you're right. I better explain as well, right? You're absolutely right. And, you know, and I do, I do think that, you know, I teach a lot of students and I teach thousands of students a year and I, I identify myself as Jewish and I'm aware that for a lot of, you know, a lot of people I'm talking to, if they don't know a Jewish person or they haven't had that experience that, that yes, there, you know, that you are, it's kind of that, you know, minority experience where you're asked to represent the whole group, um, which is a huge responsibility, <laughs> doesn't necessarily feel like you're qualified for it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, yeah, you're, you're right that it is something that, that we're often expect, you know, that burden is placed on you, especially in a community where they may not have that experience. Well, you know, but the thing you can say, I guess, is, well, I can tell you what it's like for me to be Jewish. Yes. Yes. You're right. Absolutely. Right. So, so what's it like for you to be Jewish? Well, for me, I guess what it's like to be Jewish, um, it's, I don't know, I guess the things that I value so much about Jewish culture are things like, you know, the quest for for knowledge and the kind of the lifelong, um, you know, pursuit of, of truth. That's something that I kind of associate with with Judaism or you know the just the fact that Jewish people have experienced um, oppression and violence and hatred so many times over so much history um, and yet you know the resilience and the the strength of Jewish people and you know the ways that you know just the tools that kind of our people have developed over centuries um, that's something that I, I really admire and you know I guess I hope that I can emulate that in my own life or, you know, that there are a lot of, there's a lot of strength and resilience. And that's something I consider a Jewish characteristic. Yeah, somebody once said being Jewish is an act of spite. 
<laughs> I like that. And I, I think that that's, yeah, I can understand where that <laughs> attitude might come from. And yes. <laughs> yeah. Nice try, but here I am. Exactly. And, and, yeah. But when, and, but when you come from Holocaust survivors too, that carries an extra freight, right? It's, yes. uh, it, it's hard to explain, but there they were in Maitland, Ontario. Like looking at the St. Lawrence and the belugas going by and <laughs> yeah. w- wondering what life was about in this strange country. Uh, Seriously. What, what a trip. Uh, yeah, what yeah. a trip. Well, it's very interesting. And I guess now the Anche Zafon is, is no longer uh, functioning as a synagogue in Ogden. What is it? Ogden, Og- Ogdensburg. Yeah. Ogdensburg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of toast, and yeah. I guess there's nobody left in Maitland either, right? Very few. My my parents still live in Maitland. Um, oh, in Maitland, not Prescott. They live in Maitland. They, they live in, yeah, so that's, Maitland is sort of this, like, little village in between Brockville, Ontario, and Prescott, Ontario, and it's, yeah, it's it's sort of right in the middle, um, and so that's where my parents currently live. Um, my, my grandmother's actually still living. She is in a nursing hmm. home now. Yeah, so... So she still lives in Prescott. Um, yeah, but my grandfather passed about 10, 10 or so years ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been very nice to meet you. And I, you. I really love hearing about this place. And next time I'm driving by that sign on the 401 that says Thousand Islands this way. Yes. <laughs> I'll know that some of you actually went that way. Yes. <laughs> you took did. the bait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you take care of yourself, okay? Yes, thank you so much. Lovely to lovely to meet you. You too. Elena Kingsbury has been my guest. This has been Yehopitzville, sponsored by Pear Tree Canada, reducing the after-tax cost of giving for Canadian major gift donors. Learn more at peartreecanada.com. I'm your host, Ralph Benmergi. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Our music is by Louis Samayo. And if you want to travel with us across this great country, visiting more small Jewish communities, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to hear more of my work, I host another podcast called Not That Kind of Rabbi. And uh, anything else you'd like to know, I'm at ralphbenmergi.ca. And if you want to hear more Canadian Jewish stories, you can find them at the Canadian Jewish News' website, the cjn.ca. Thanks, and we'll see you next time in Yehopitzville. This episode has been brought to you by Looking Back, Moving Forward, 160 Years of Jewish Life in B.C. Published by the Jewish Museum and Archives of British Columbia for their 50th anniversary, this elegant volume is a once-in-a-generation collection of Jewish life and history throughout the province. Order your copy today at jewishmuseum.ca.